Welcome to Heroes of Brand Protection Podcast, Episode 19. I am your host, Daniel Shapiro, Vice President of Brand Relations at Redpoints, the world's fastest growing brand protection solution with a mission to make the internet a safer place for both brands and consumers. In this podcast, we will share stories and industry insights from some of the leading experts in brand protection and anti-counterfeit from many different industries. We are so happy you could join us today. Please check out all of our episodes on www.redpoints.com forward slash podcast. Today, we are thrilled to be speaking with James Larson, Deputy General Counsel of Intellectual Property at Purple. Purple Mattress is one of the fastest growing mattress companies in the world. James, as a little boy, wanted to be a police officer. Then he wanted to be an astronaut. Then later, even a doctor. But after he finished his double undergraduate degree in microbiology and chemistry, he decided to go to law school. He started his legal work as an intern at Nike. After multiple experiences as an in-house counsel, James switched and went to work for a law firm. After many years of working for the law firm, James decided to go back to in-house counsel and join Purple. Well, James, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you, and uh, we're I'm looking forward to learning more about how you got where you got to. So thank you for joining us. No, uh, it's great to be here. Thanks, Daniel. I look forward to talking about whatever you ask. Great. So before we get started, maybe I thought I'd ask you, if there was uh, one place in the world you could be right now, where would it be? Most definitely the British Virgin Islands. It's it's one of my... Why is that? Well, I, I've been there uh, one just one time with my wife. Um, we loved going to all of the many different islands and everything they had to offer. The water's perfect 82 degrees year-round, and it's crystal clear. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind being there right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Particularly, we picked up a little snow here in Utah uh, yesterday, so that even sounds better, right? Yeah, now, s- snow's okay. I'm okay with that because I'm an avid skier, but uh, give me a good beach any day. Awesome. And maybe as you think about in your career, different parts of your career, is there a, an experience, sort of a funny story that you tell often as you uh, think about when you're having uh, out at dinner with people, you tell them this funny, crazy story that happened to you at work? So yeah, there's a, there's a good one. Um, I, I like to pride myself on understanding the, uh, the United States Patent and Trademark Office, knowing what they'll allow and what they won't. I've been doing this for, you know, 15 years. And I remember there was an instance where I had a client who came to me and was like, I really want to register this. And I was adamant that they couldn't get that mark. I said, there's no way. You just won't get it. It's a waste of time. And they said, well, we want to try anyway. And uh, lo and behold, three or four months later, I got you know a notice of allowance and a publication notice. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I was very wrong. There was no, there was no back and forth with the USPTO. There was nothing. And it was just a surprise, like, here, you get a trademark. And so I felt a little sheepish. I had to go back to my client and say, well, you were right. And I was wrong. I thought I, I thought I knew what I was talking about. And I guess I didn't. <laughs> well, listen, you are, you are a good man to be able to admit that you sometimes you're not right. That's a great story. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I think I had a lot of the same things that a lot of kids probably in their adolescence, you know, a police officer a doctor, maybe an astronaut, you know, those were 
all the things I wanted to do. Um, I, I remember early on, and this actually influenced me when I, I believe I was in second grade when I watched the space shuttle Challenger explode and I knew I wanted to be an astronaut, but obviously that's not what I did. To your point, what, what we want to do and what we do sometimes are two different things. So when did you, you know, sort of pivot to the law? I mean, where were you in your educational process or career path that you pivoted to uh, the law? It would have been my senior year of my undergraduate degree. Uh, I didn't know where I wanted to go, but I knew I wanted to advance my education. I was actually also working as a microbiologist you know, in a lab while I was, I was getting my degree, I graduated. And then I decided, you know, maybe I should try this law thing. And my brother, who's a, who's a patent attorney told me, you know, you have a technical background. You could actually become a patent attorney if you really wanted. And I said, you know what, why not? Let's give it a shot. And so uh, it was, it was this, my senior year in college that actually I finally pivoted towards law. What was your undergraduate in? Microbiology um, and chemistry. Awesome. And then maybe how, how did you end up uh, sort of as you got your degree in uh, as a patent attorney, how did you end up in purple? What was the path that got you to where you are today? Oh, gosh, um, that's a long path. So <laughs> during during law school, I actually was able to intern. I was a law clerk at Nike and they were really great to me. They gave me a lot of experience working with sports marketing and actually one of the most probably influential people in my life. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Gary Way. He was he was my boss while I was this law clerk at Nike, and he didn't primarily sports marketing, but where I was placed, at least where my little cubicle was, was right outside the IP offices. And you know, during law school, I knew I wanted to do IP, and so they gave me a little glimpse into what they do every day. When I graduated law school, I actually went and worked for a defense contractor, left Nike, and went out and moved um, it moved to Maryland worked for a company called ATK where I did defense contracting. Uh, from there, I was actually headhunted away by a, a medical company in, in Utah. And they primarily wanted me to work on medical devices and medical patents. And that's, that's where I probably really uh, got a very strong education in, into patents other than just my law school. And through the next five or six years, I, I drafted, you know, well over a hundred patents that were all, that all had to deal with the medical field. And then from there, I went to a nanotechnology company. And, and, and if you can tell, none of this has to do with the law firm. I, I, I immediately went in house, never touched the law firm until after, you know, I, I went to ATK, then this company in, in Utah called IMDS, then went to a, a nanotechnology company called HZO. And from there, I actually went to a law firm. Uh, it's a local firm. Well, it's it's now nationally uh, related, but it was called Durham Jones and Pinnegar, and they recently merged with Dentons, which is I think the world's largest law firm. So after after the law firm, then I went back in house to Purple. Awesome, that's a great story, by the way. I mean, a, a lot of a, a lot of on the job learning, a lot of growth in your career from different industries and uh, different uh, passions. But awesome. But maybe share with us a little bit about for those who may be listening today who may not be aware of Purple Mattress, maybe share a little bit about what Purple does, where you're based, where you're selling in from a number of countries perspective. Share with us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so Purple is a, yeah, it's essentially a mattress company. We like to call it comfort technology because we sell mattresses, pillows, almost anything to do with a bedroom. But uh, Purple got its start in 2015 via a Kickstarter campaign where they wanted to try and sell this mattress that's primarily comprised of gel to to the world. It, it ended up doing really well on Kickstarter. And from there, it, it kind of ballooned into more than just mattresses. It, it, it actually started long ago with the founders making, I believe it's wheelchair seat cushions. So they use this gel technology. Anyway, so Purple kind of adopted that, took it and, and made it into these beds. We're digitally native. All of our sales are primarily online. However, I would say within the last two or three years, we've, we've gone into a significant amount of retail space. Purple is based uh, just south of Salt Lake City, Utah, in the United States, we have manufacturing facilities in Atlanta, Georgia, and a facility that's actually west of Salt Lake, about 30, 40 miles in a place that's called Grantsville. We have retail locations. We've got about 20 to 30 retail locations all within the U.S. Our products are actively sold. At least our mattresses are actively sold in the U.S. and Canada. We also have some sales in the EU as well as Australia, but you usually have to get those through a third party. We don't sell directly ourselves, but we go through other distributors. And that's mainly our, our seat cushions um, more than anything else. But our, our bread and butter is definitely our mattress. That's where we make the majority of our, our revenue. And uh, all those sales come from the United States and Canada. Yeah, listen, it's it's an amazing product. And uh, it's has a tremendous reputation for sure. If you had to describe purple in one sentence, like what's the one sentence pitch on, on purple? Let's see. I'd probably say an innovative comfort product company with an interest in making your life more enjoyable. Awesome. <laughs> that, that is a great, that's a great sentence. <laughs> Listen, maybe we should get you out of the legal department into sales. We'll have to find out if, if the company thinks that's good, but I think there's hope for multiple careers there. Well, I, it really, we're a company that's trying, you know, sleep is important. It's such a health yeah. uh, and wellness thing that I know a lot of, uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of influence in the industry right now around health and wellness. And sleep is a huge part of that. And we believe we're a big piece of it. And we really do believe we can make your life better by providing you a better night's sleep. Yeah, without question. That's fantastic. I love it. Um so when you think about the role that you do for Purple and, and the responsibilities that you're asked to, to manage, is there something you think about as one of the most difficult tasks as the you know, deputy general counsel? I mean, what, what, is there something that takes place that's you know, challenging more so than others? Um, the hardest thing to deal, with is our mar- to deal with is our marketing team. I love them. They're great to work with. But a lot of times, particularly with trademarks and logos and such, you're dealing with the marketing team trying to say something that perhaps um, we may not be allowed to say, or they're trying to use a name or a phrase that maybe someone else has. And so oftentimes the struggle with me is getting to that marketing team and saying, you know, we can't say that and here's why. And so the most difficult thing is trying to persuade them to come up with something that's different, unique, but in an industry where it's very crowded Sometimes that's hard. Yeah. I don't want to be seen as a no man. I want to be seen as a problem solver. And so a lot of times I try to give them suggestions on how they might phrase it differently or change something. But uh, sometimes it's hard to change their minds. They're they're bent on something. So 
I, you know, here I am to, I, I give them the risk and I tell them, you know, what I prefer they do or don't do. And then I let them make the decision. Very, very good. Listen, I, I'm sure that many people, you know, in your position have to monitor and measure, you know, that those statements and, and challenges, but, uh, all for the good of business and driving business. So uh, I recognize that that's a precarious position that you're in sometimes for sure. And when you think about the brand protection space and the work you do with your patents and your trademarks and so forth, what do you see as the challenge on a go forward basis? Like what's happened in the world today that you see challenging as it relates in that brand protection space? Um, Well, there's specific challenges to purple that I can speak to. I think um, overall, the, the challenges may be the same for every company that's facing, you know, brand protection. And we see a lot of e-commerce sites that are helping, such as Amazon's brand protection portal and, and things like that. But one of the biggest challenges, at least for us, is we're trying to protect the color. And our color kind of permeates every product that we sell. So oftentimes uh, we're, we are seen as descriptive, even generic because we are a color that we're trying to protect. And so as we get bigger and, and, and we're a little more successful, sometimes we can claim on fame or, or something like that, but we're continually finding the challenge as there are those that enter the space that are like, Hey, purple's doing really well. Well, we'll just do, we'll just change our color to purple and piggyback off of our marketing. And so for us, our, our biggest challenge has been just trying to lock down a color in multiple jurisdictions, not just the United States, but overseas. The Asia Pacific region has proven very difficult for us. But um, I think the challenges are probably faced, we face are the same as anyone else, with the exception that we really have, we've chosen a name that's not the easiest thing for anyone to protect, let alone, you know, someone who might be smarter or, or better looking than me. Interesting. And I'm sure there's people out there in, the, in your not necessarily in the sleep comfort business, but in the legal issue of managing color as a name, right? I suppose there's case laws or or, or backgrounds on how you manage uh, that, but certainly challenging. Uh, trademarks uh, for your regular name can be difficult as a color. It adds a certain complexity for sure, right? Absolutely. Um, when you think about like this year in the holiday season, I, I recognize you know your products may not be always driven by the holiday season, but I think the holiday season is big for, you know, all sorts of accessories and products. How are you thinking about preparing as you go into the Christmas season? Is there a particular strategy you tend to take or not take? So one of the things we are actually actively doing is we are, we're very assertive, both in, in federal courts, but also internationally where just before Black Friday and a lot of times just before Christmas is we will take legal action to hopefully prevent a lot of the knockoffs or counterfeit goods from entering the space. Uh, we're very, very aggressive, particularly when it comes to the Amazon space, but also we've been actually successful in the last two years where we've actually filed court actions just prior to the holidays to get injunctions and I actually had those awarded. Um, we're not afraid to do that. Uh, we understand what people are trying to do. And so we just try to combat it as best we can. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, again, credit to you and your aggressive approach, but I think you are one of the companies that really has demonstrated the proactive value of really going after this challenge, you know, 
full steam ahead has been uh, beneficial. Yeah, definitely. And it's not something we can kind of sit on our hands. If we're not proactive, then then we find that we can't we can't enforce what we've got. Exactly. I don't know if you know Tina Huckleberry. She's from a company called the Lumistella Company, which they're famous for their Elf on a Shelf, but they do a lot of different products. But she had a question for you. I did a podcast with her just last month, and her question for you was, if you had to do one thing all over again in your career, is there anything you would change? That's a great question. I, <laughs> you, you, you caught me off guard. Um, I think for me, if I can think very, very specifically, while I was at Nike, I don't think I understood the value of their brand. And when you look at Nike, I mean, it's probably one of, if not the most prolific brand in the world. And having that experience, and I was only there probably just over a year, but having the experience of being there, I didn't ever delve into, you know, truly what was the value of their brand. And I wish I had gone, taken the time to educate myself just on their brand and how, you know, I know how it came to be. I understand how Nike started and all of that, but understanding just the value of what a brand can do for a company beyond maybe what a patent can do or beyond what a copyright can do, but really what that trademark the value of that trademark. And I wish I had learned more about that while I was there. Yeah, awesome. That's a very sort of retrospective, you know, thoughtful uh, uh, answer to a question that I caught you off guard with. So thanks so much. Uh, let me ask you this. What, what advice would you give to a young James Larson or someone like you who is in the beginning of thinking about their career? And what, what would you tell them to think about as they approach their career path? Well, I saw a funny meme the other day, and it was kind of interesting. Uh, it was, you know, a doctor tries to encourage all of his kids to become a doctor. A lawyer tries to discourage all of his kids from becoming a lawyer. Um, and so it's, you know, if I was if I was going to tell a lawyer who is just entering his career is, uh, don't limit yourself. You know, be open to learning any and all aspects of the law. I, I think I did a good job of that. You know, I delved into sports marketing and defense contracting and IP. And, and I kind of got a really good understanding of different areas of the law. And then I, I targeted what I found that I was passionate about. So what I would say is just be open. There's a lot of attorneys that go to law school to be patent or IP attorneys. They come out and that's what they do. And that's all they ever do. Um, but I think, you know, I had that with goal in mind, but I, I left myself open to learning many different areas and then finding an opportunity of, you know, what could I be good at? What could I excel at? And then become almost an expert at. And I kind of found my niche. Awesome. And listen, you're you're fortunate to have done that, right? And I think to, to young people, uh, that concept of being open and finding your, finding your passion is critical. Um, is there anyone uh, who's inspired? You mentioned in the beginning of our podcast, a gentleman named Gary Way, who was inspirational to you. Is there other people or other person or, or what about that experience really sort of inspired you during your career? Uh, so I would, I would actually say, you know, Gary was a, a tremendous uh, mentor for me. He, he took the time to kind of teach me uh, different areas of what he did and aspects of, of this area of sports marketing law and everything around it that I didn't understand. But I really looked up to him just because he took me under his wing. And, and that, that helps. You know, I would hope that there's other mentors and I hope maybe I can actually live up to that. But I think if I look at someone who's inspired me during my career, 
believe it or not, is my dad, who is my father is not an attorney. He he was a scientist. He was a PhD, worked for for national labs and and such like that. But one of the biggest things that inspired me about him is his integrity. Uh, he was always a man of integrity. And I heard stories from him, but, but from people that worked with him about his integrity. And that's something that I just feel like, you know, he's, he's taught me, he's like, look, there's a right and a wrong in every situation and you can choose right or you can choose wrong. And so that's something that's inspired me um, throughout my career. And it's just, it's been my dad. Listen, I think uh, as a dad and, and you probably are one too, but I could think of anything sort of more rewarding, but I think, you know, when you think about integrity, your own personal brand, there's probably nothing uh, more important to protect than your uh, personal brand. And so the lesson your father gave you, uh, you know, priceless, right? Priceless. I think so. Yep. James, for our next episode, we're going to have as our guest, Michael Lewis. He's the vice president for intellectual property, security, and protection at the Entertainment Software Association. I don't know if you know him, but whether you do or not, what would you like to, all of us to know about Michael? Well, I think I'd ask, if you had one free hour every day, what would you do with it? That's a great question. What, what would you do with your one extra hour? Sleep. <laughs> I would sleep. <laughs> On a purple mattress. On a purple mattress, because I'm not getting enough sleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> I might actually do what you do. I think I might sleep too. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in, there's a, there's a shameless plug and I'm sure I'd sleep so well on my purple mattress. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, James, thanks so much for your time today. It was spectacular to learn a little bit about you and uh, I appreciate you sharing all your interesting insights with us. Well, thank you. And thanks for making me a part of this. I look forward to continuing to see what goes on in this industry. Well, it was very interesting to learn about your journey and the insights in brand protection space. I have a few key takeaways that really resonated to me, and I wanted to share them with you. Number one, his career path is testimony to his advice to law students. Don't limit yourself. Be open to learning any and all aspects of the law. James explains that's how he found his passion. Number two, as it relates to brand protection, James is particularly aggressive in taking legal action prior to Black Friday and the holiday season to set a strong tone for infringers. That's it for us today. If you like what you heard, please check out the next inspiring personal story from another hero of brand protection. You can follow us on all of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Twitter and LinkedIn. Make it a good day. <laughs>